Welcome back to the Therapy for Real Life podcast. I'm your host, Anna Lindbergh Cedar. This is not therapy, this is real life. As listeners know, the Therapy for Real Life podcast aims to translate therapy and burnout prevention concepts into everyday practical suggestions for self care in everyday life which is why I'm really eager to share with you some suggestions that I have put together on how to stay human when you're on a screen all day long. As we all have experienced, we are part of a great migration right now online as we are all trying to cope with the consequences of COVID-19 and the lasting effects of the pandemic, which for most folks has resulted in transitioning their work online to at home. And many folks are also struggling with being out of work. And so they are starting the job search process from home on top of any other caregiving or community responsibilities, economic hardships, or any other stresses that folks have. And while technology is a tool and a support, luckily, that we have access to, depending on your your access level, Uh, For example, if you're listening to this podcast, it means that you are at least interested in using technology to adapt access to education. So we have to be online. And at the same time, we have known for a long time that imbibing technology and being on screens has inherent harmful effects attached to all the other benefits that come with it. So today's episode is all about how to structure your self-care routine and your environment and your perspective to help you stay in touch with yourself in these stressful times and to stay in touch with that gut instinct that guides you and tells you what would feel good in terms of boundaries and self-care. So I hope that you hear something today that you find useful, but I also just want you to think about the things that you know already work for you to help you stay centered and grounded in the day-to-day. Enjoy the episode. Before we jump into some suggestions for self-care when you're on a screen or on the phone or on Zoom calls all day long, we should, have, we should first acknowledge the challenges that come along with being on a screen all day and working from home and, and mixing all of those different activities together. So in my work as a therapist and as a person in the world and talking to my friends and loved ones about what has been so stressful about all of the challenges during this time, not only the pandemic, but also political turmoil and 
for a lot of communities, a feeling of lack of safety and security and just the ability to plan and know what's coming next. A lot of people feel overwhelmed right now. And for the day-to-day experience, when you have all of that stress and worry in the background, it's hard to stay focused on your email inbox or staying productive at work or filling out that Excel spreadsheet or getting the laundry done. It's not uncommon for folks to feel overwhelmed right now and have a hard time getting those tasks done. And in my experience and hearing other folks describe this, a a big impact of just the stressful time that we're going through and being sheltered in place is that feeling of loss of separation, loss of boundaries between one activity and another, lack of downtime, even just For example, many folks losing their commute to go to work, old parts of their routine, like taking the bus or subway, and just saying hello to neighbors. They don't have that space and distance. It's very common now for folks to just wake up in the morning and go straight to work. I think it was Harvard Business Review that that released new data saying that since the pandemic has started, the workday has extended about 47 minutes longer, which is just, that's that comes with more burnout. So a lot of folks are experiencing lack of separation. They are now co-working with whoever they live with. And so everyone's just getting a lot of, you know, <clears throat> less space and less privacy and time for self-care. Meanwhile, folks who are living alone or don't have uh, roommates or live with family or live far from family are having a very different experience, could be very isolating and lonely at times. And so we have to be inclusive when we think about the impacts of sheltering in place and what it feels like, but it's not uncommon to hear folks have a really hard time with this transition because whatever your coping looked like before shelter in place, you will have to adapt that. So that comes with a feeling of overwhelm and um, frustration. A lot of folks can experience lack of motivation, not being able to plan for positive events in the future, more anxiety about uncertainty even feelings of depression and and burnout, which we've talked a lot on the show about just not feeling motivated to do your routine. So as we've talked about on the show before, even in stressful situations, it is possible to regulate your mood as best you can to help you stay motivated to do the things that are important to you, to stay safe and protect your mental health and well-being and and get things done. So first things first, we're just going to acknowledge what all these stressors can feel like, and then we're going to very promptly do something about it. (laughs) 
given the fact that folks are feeling so many stresses from so many different directions, including work and health anxiety and political strife, they can have a feeling of overwhelm and burnout. And this is, this is when folks can start losing touch with themselves. This is when folks start to tell me, I don't feel like myself anymore. They feel so down and it's hard to think about positive things in the future and start to worry or feel hopeless. This is when people start to lose their sense of identity. So one of the first coping skills that we are going to talk about when we think of how to stay human when you're on a screen all day is to create really good boundaries and separation to help you diversify your identity for good burnout prevention. You can think about this in a few different ways to, to help you understand the concept here. It's, it's as simple as not putting all of your eggs in one basket, right? So a lot of folks make the mistake of attaching their whole identity. It could be to work or to their partner if it's in a kind of a codependency kind of situation or to a goal that they have. They can get really fixated on that. With burnout, it's really important to diversify your sources of support and happiness and joy. And work can be one of those things. But for work to be meaningful, you have to complement it with other resources. So that could be a good exercise routine. It could be a social life. It could be an artistic life. It could be time to meditate or more simply stare at the wall. And in practical terms, it's going to mean good calendar management. You might even pause the podcast in a moment or at the end of the show and think about good proportionality in your schedule and then actually set some reminders attached to it. So I want you to think about how many hours a day you would like to dedicate to good quality work. And I want you to be realistic about this because from the research I've seen, folks don't tend to be very productive productive beyond 32 hours a week. A lot of folks tend to be faking it at that point or even trying a little too hard when they should be resting and restoring themselves or getting mentorship. Even if you have a 40-hour-a-week job, there are ways to resource yourself. So another way of thinking about this is kind of the way farmers do when they do crop rotation. You know, farmers will tell you they don't plant any one vegetable for an extended period of time. Over time, they'll rotate crops to get different nutrients from the soil and change things up. So when you look at your schedule and your work routine, I want you to diversify your time. And that includes vacation and time for pleasure and health and family and community. 
And if you feel overwhelmed, if you're looking at your to-do list and having a hard time even prioritizing what gets cut and what gets kept, you might just start by giving yourself the gentle separation and boundary between one anxious thought and another, or one meeting or one activity to another by simply slowing down the breath and giving yourself the simplest boundary of a deep, gentle breath. And you can even practice that skill with me now as you slow down your day, slow down your thinking, bring your focus to the breath, take all the time that you need to to do this. And when you feel ready, you can simply inhale in, exhale out, inhale in, exhale out. And you might even pause to do this a little longer to practice just the beginning steps of that gentle separation skill, creating boundaries between one task and another to give you greater awareness of what you need and a sense of proportionality. Take the time to do that now. Excellent. Now that you've had a chance to look at your calendar and time management, if you're feeling stuck, I want to give you another resource to help you think about a sense of proportionality when you plan your activities for good self-care. Because if you are going to stay human when you're on a screen all day, you do need to bring your best self to all of your interactions. And that means from a holistic perspective, coming from a place that feels healthy and stable and secure and confident. And when it comes to burnout prevention, one of my favorite resources is a podcast episode from the Ezra Klein show when he interviewed a psychologist named Lisa Feldman Barrett, who coined the concept that I really appreciate called body budget. And in this episode titled, We Don't Just Feel Emotions, We Make Them, Lisa Feldman Barrett explains the concept that how we experience emotions actually depends on our concept of emotion and how we talk about emotions and how we understand emotions influences how we experience emotions, which as listeners to the show know is part of our survival reflex and helps us get in tune with what our basic needs are, just like any of our five senses. And she explains this idea of the body budget. And I, I like that that way of thinking about burnout prevention as well, because when we add up our inputs, it gives us a more realistic 
expectation of what our outputs should be. Usually when I talk to folks who are just starting their burnout prevention journey and trying to practice strategic self-care, a lot of times we're starting with that skill of setting reasonable expectations. And if you want to stay human on a screen all day and stay some kind of productive, but also not lose touch with who you are, you are going to have to have a good sense of what your needs are. So I really recommend listening to that episode from the Ezra Klein Show with Lisa Feldman Barrett or to read her work to get a better sense of ways of understanding your own body budget and what's included in that, all the different nutrients that that you need to to personalize what self-care looks like for you, including your health needs, social needs, and to stay grounded and, and aware of that. This is why mindfulness is such a useful skill for anyone trying to improve their self-care routine and mindfulness can include meditation it can be as simple as setting five minutes aside to just observe your state of being observe your thoughts or any one of the five senses or mindfulness can come right along with you as you do any activity in your day as you parent or as you work or as you exercise or The way I learned it, we began by practicing mindfulness in the act of brushing your teeth. So I encourage you to consider your body budget, look at your routine, look at your activities, look at your expectations, look at your calendar, and start bringing a sense of proportionality to your activities by paying attention without judgment to your experience and honoring that experience as good data to guide you in your needs. As we know with burnout and stress and anxiety and depression, and difficult experiences in the world, as painful as those difficult experiences can be, we can feel the urge to numb out or dissociate or deny reality as it is. And this is exactly where folks feel that that sense of losing touch with themselves. So when we think about how to stay human on a screen all day, I want us to keep in mind this age-old recommendation that that folks have been practicing for more than 3,000 years. If we go back to the Tibetan monks who modeled this skill and now in research back terms, psychologists such as Kristen Neff or DBT researcher Marsha Linehan have taught us the value of mindfulness and specifically the art of compassion as a self-care and burnout prevention skill. 
And what's interesting to, to notice when it comes to burnout prevention, that's how we explain this idea now, how to remain sustainable when it comes to work and personal relationships and wherever you are in this lifelong journey. In the olden days, they used to call that compassion fatigue. We didn't used to call it burnout. And I like that way of describing it because anyone who's felt burnt out does feel that, that numbing quality that comes with caring a little bit less, not in a healthy way, but in a losing touch with yourself kind of way. So what Zen practitioners and other leaders in Eastern philosophy have taught us for a long time, anyone who's listened to these lessons or um, paid attention to those teachings, is this simple concept of the art of practicing compassion. I like that, that way of thinking about it as a practice. And when it comes to emotion regulation, a very common myth that you will hear people say is some version of you have to feel like it before you do it. When folks get stuck in depression or anxiety, a lot of times they get stuck with that feeling of wanting to put the covers over their head and avoid the things that they kind of have a hunch would feel good to do, but they struggle to do it. One of the most powerful truths that they can learn is that Actually, you can just go ahead and start doing the things that are important to you and that those activities actually are very important to stimulating the feelings of empowerment and confidence and joy and meaning and purpose that, that a lot of folks are looking for. So one of the simplest ways to get started with that practice of boosting compassion is this age-old art of loving-kindness meditation. And Kristen Neff is actually a researcher who has made the concept of self-compassion very practical. So you can look up her teachings as well, and she makes that very accessible. But the age-old art of loving-kindness meditation has been around for a long time. And I invite you to practice it with me. And if you're in a busy place right now or cannot be interrupted, you might want to just pause the podcast and come back to this. Definitely don't do this while you're driving or distracted, but set up your environment to take just a few minutes out of your day to compassionately take the time to do this, to try something new and practice this with me. That's a very compassionate act to just give your, your time to something like this. And settle into a comfortable position and just kind of check in with yourself now. Notice your current mood, how you're feeling physically, emotionally. Notice any lingering thoughts in your mind from your day or reflections on the 
the podcast or anything else that comes to mind. And let those just kind of swirl about for a moment longer as you transition your focus now to settling on the breath as you take a couple of deep, gentle inhales in. And exhales out one at a time. Slowing down your breath a little. At your own pace, breathing in. And out. At your own pace. And continue to breathe naturally. And if you feel comfortable, you can close your eyes to help you with this guided visualization as we take a few minutes out of your day. Or if you feel more comfortable, you're welcome to just leave your eyes open and gaze gently at your palms if that feels more grounding to you. And in your mind's eye, I invite you to just imagine that you're walking down a path. And as I walk you through this meditation, you will just allow images to come to mind. And as you walk down this path, you see someone that you know very well, someone that you care about. This person just comes to mind easily, someone that you really have sweet feelings for. And just notice what it feels like to see the look on their face. And because we are using imagination here, there is no COVID, there is no mask. And in your mind's eye, you're welcome to just greet this person however you typically would, whether that's with a hug or a handshake or a kiss on the cheek. And I welcome you to just savor the sensation of seeing this person in your mind's eye. And in the tradition of loving kindness meditation, I invite you to just flex your imagination as you imagine repeating these words to this person, saying to them, may you be well, may you be happy, may you be free, from suffering. And as you see this person in your mind's eye, you just see them take in these words and really hear what you have to say. You might even repeat it once more as you tell them, may you be well. May you be happy. May you be free from suffering. And this person embraces you again and thanks you and 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 says goodbye as they go on their way and you continue on your way as well you walk down the path and you notice what it feels like having seen this person and having said those words and as you walk along the path now now you see someone who you know what if you're being truthful typically you might you might have the urge to walk the other way when you see this person, but today of all days, you continue walking on the path and you say hello and you, you say, how are you doing? And, and when the time is right, 
in your mind's eye, you allow yourself to say to this person, even noticing mixed feelings that you have for them, you step into the position of saying, may you be well, may you be happy, may you be free from suffering. And this person hears you. They hear what you have to say. And you notice the look on their face as they, they walk away and they, they continue on with their day. And you, you notice what that sensation feels like as you walk a little further. And as you continue along the pathway, now you notice there's a, a very nice spot to sit and rest. And in front of that place where you just take a, a little rest, a, a little sit, there in front of you, seated right in front of you, is you. In your mind's eye, you get to see yourself in front of you, you get to gaze right into your own eyes. And trying this, just trying this, however it feels to do it, you go ahead and say to yourself, may you be well, may you be happy, may you be free from suffering. And you notice how it feels to say those words and, and to feel the loving kindness that comes along with those words. May you be well, may you be happy. May you be free from suffering. And you take in the sensation that comes with this gentle meditation, noticing how it feels to express loving kindness and taking in those sensations and grounding your attention now in the breath, just gently breathing in, breathing out, breathing in, breathing out, and reminding yourself that you can return to the gentle practice of loving kindness at any time that it feels useful to you. Another mindfulness skill that can help you stay in touch with who you are and what your needs are is to simply set gentle intentions for yourself. This can be something that you do on a daily basis or a weekly basis, monthly or any timing that feels right for you. And this is a gentle opportunity for you to check in on your values. And because this is a skill that comes from psychological flexibility, you can change your mind anytime you need to. 
And in fact, this is a skill I've had to use a lot throughout the pandemic because we have had changing updates all the time in terms of what we know about COVID and what is safe to do or not, or what we know or what we don't know. And so it can be helpful to come back to a simple centering values check, whether that is a breathing exercise, breathing in the question, what's most important today, something simple like that, and seeing what comes to you on the exhale, or doing something more formal, like a a journal entry in the morning, a self-care exercise to whether it's in the form of a to-do list or a simple kind of two or three word salad to define what you want to get out of each day. This will help you stay in touch with what's most important. And hopefully with that feeling of overwhelm can help you let go of things that are a little bit more bothersome or would be nice to do, but possibly may not have time to do them, really invite you to stay focused on the two or three things that are most important at any moment in time and and also try to let go of the things that really are not important to you and try to personalize that skill. The last skill I want you to think about today as you reflect on how to stay human on a screen all day is to bring a sense of who you are to each and every interaction and to exercise good consent along the way. So what do I mean by both parts of parts of that? So We just finished talking about values and setting intentions and bringing some kind of ritual to each day so that you, when you have a long to-do list, you don't feel overwhelmed, you know where to get started. Now in good, healthy relationships, you are going to exercise good reciprocity. So any reasonable expectations that you set for yourself and others that some version of equal, even if there's diversity and inclusion involved, including uh, folks may show up in different ways or have different comparative advantages. And that is wonderful as long as you have good consent. So having a good sense of your own humanity and feeling connected and being part of community requires good communication. And for some folks hearing some of the words I'm using may cause anxiety. Like, I don't know how to practice good consent or no one taught me how to do that. And in fact, the Therapy for Real Life podcast has many episodes on communication and how to ask for what you want is a good starter for good communication 101. But the simple idea here is just to be clear about what your hopes and intentions are for any kind of interaction to make that known and to check in with other folks to see if they're in the same place as you. So in the workplace, 
this could look like sharing in general terms where your level of burnout is at any particular time, right? It makes sense that on a Monday through Friday schedule, one of those days you'd be feeling more resourced and some of those days you might be feeling less resourced. You can share a little bit of information with your team just to let them know where you're at. Oh, hey guys, I just had a lot going on this weekend. I moved. If I'm a little slow to respond to emails, that's why. And I'll get back to you as soon as I can. Right? You're setting expectations that you are a, a, a human being with human flaws and human capacity that does have limits and you're setting boundaries. And you're also modeling that by agenda setting and, and checking in with and with folks and saying, you know, what are your expectations for today's meeting and how can I help you um, in today's um, project, right? So practicing good consent requires both sets of assertiveness skills, both expressing what your needs are and checking in with other folks to make sure that you heard them correctly. And in my experience, both of those are, are skill sets that require practice. And it's not uncommon to feel more skillful in one area or another, either kind of a better listener or a better talker. And even if you feel like you're really good in one area, I think there's always opportunities to to learn more about consent and good communication. So what you might do here is look to the community and look for really good role models. Maybe pay attention to folks that you talk to that make you feel really listened to and heard and respected and just notice what is it that they're doing that makes you feel, feel so invited, right? Are they asking good questions? Are they really paying attention? Are they listening to what you're saying and responding with actions? Sometimes actions speak louder than words. And you can also look to great resources in the community like Brene Brown and other good information on how to set good boundaries. Dialectical behavior therapy has really good resources here, following up with your own therapist. And just learning more about your own likes and dislikes so that whether you are showing up for a workplace conversation, a family conversation, uh, uh, defining your pod or your bubble situation, whatever the context is, for me, it means showing up with my uh, silly dad jokes in therapy or in my personal life because I want a sense of humor. I don't want to abandon my sense of self wherever I go. So folks who know me kind of have to either enjoy that or put up with that. And um, it's hopefully part of the fun of it. So think about that for yourself. What would be important for you to bring to any conversation or context? Thank you for listening to my musings on how to stay human on a screen all day. This is one of those subjects where 
folks who are therapists can relate that we are going through this right at the same time as folks that we are counseling in our therapy appointments, as listeners to the show are crafting their own self-care routines. I'm going along through this right along with you. So these were the first things that came to mind when I thought of research-backed strategies to help you keep a sense of yourself and how to stay human in these really difficult times. But this is a new situation for all of us. So thank you for listening and trying these ideas out. And I do invite you to get in touch if you feel like there's something that was missing from the show or you would add something that works for you and how to stay human on a screen all day. I think the best way to share feedback is to rate and review the show on iTunes or anywhere that you listen to podcasts. I will stay tuned to your feedback there or send me a message on therapyforreallife.com. Or to make the show more accessible, feel free to share this content with a self-care buddy and send them a link to the show. If you are interested in learning more about therapy, self-care, or burnout prevention concepts, feel free to check out therapyforreallife.com or workshopsforreallife.com because self-care goes everywhere. Thank you for listening and have a great day. Therapy for Real Life also offers workplace workshops to help your team buffer against the stresses of daily life. Therapy for Real Life is known for the Burnout Prevention Hackathon, which teaches your team self-care strategies that are backed by research to help you interrupt burnout and promote self-care. Now that work has moved primarily to virtual and work from home, Therapy for Real Life has adapted the Burnout Prevention Hackathon for the online community. Get in touch to discuss your interest in stress management, burnout prevention, relationship building, and other self-care workshops and how to adapt these trainings for your team's needs. Mm -hmm.